regardless of the fact that we are attacking your fundamental rights or limiting your fundamental rights, and the Charter says that was wrong, we're still going to go ahead and do with it. For anyone battered, for any heart shattered, for anyone sinking down, just hold on, hold on. For all of the sinners, for the weary and weathered, if you're thrown and tossed, your hope is lost, just hold on, hold on. There's an anchor in the rage of the storm. When the walls are closing in and the darkness all alone, oh, you're just praying for the daylight. You need peace for your soul. Well, there is grace for the morning when you feel like letting go. Oh, I said, there's an anchor. There's an anchor. There's an anchor for my soul, for my soul. It's basically a loophole that allows a majority to override fundamental rights of a minority. To all who have faltered, I said there is an altar. So bring your plea. On bended knee, just bow down, bow down. All you sons and daughters, I said, run to the Father. Cause you're not too far from his open arms. Just come on, come on. Cause there's an anchor in the rage of the storm. Say hey. 
Hey, Shade. That How are you? Awesome. I'm really well. I'm really well. I, I was so appreciated hearing that again. I heard it before. And uh, it's too bad you have no passion, Shade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little low on the passion department. I'll I'll try to beef it up a little bit for that. <laughs> <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. There was, wow. you know, the whole point of the video was to just make sure that people didn't um, forget, you know, that, um, that it was... That, People stayed strong in the uh, intention there that we still have lots and lots of work to do. So, uh, you know, so and of course, hopefully that's what it that's what it did. I know, of course, my my sonic head, you know, my musician head said, hey, is that in mono? <laughs> I, like, I wanted to be in stereo. So but uh, but still the message is is quite the same. So. Yeah, we can't do stereo with echo cancellation. We just we realized we needed that. So sadly. It was, uh, but, uh, but let's share the link out. Uh, darn, I went and closed it, but here's the, here's the link. So people can go and watch with their uh, stereo speakers on. I love it. I love that. Yes. Yeah. And I love that uh, Glenn just shared Hebrews 619. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome, Glenn. Thank you. Was that the inspiration for the song? Yeah. The, just him being the anchor. Absolutely. There you yeah. go. Yeah. It was it was written by Crowder though. I, I want to make sure we uh, we credit him. Okay, got it. It's uh, it's um, you were performing it. Nice. That's performing awesome. It, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was just a performance of the song that he wrote. Good. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. It was it was awesome. Thanks, Kimberly, passing on that love and uh, seeing for the second time today. That's awesome, Jenny. Vonichis here. Welcome and Mojo Shop. So welcome, you guys. I'm glad you're here. Please do share this out. It's uh, here. I'm going to grab a link for you that uh, I literally was watching YouTube take my subscribers away the other day. Every time I refresh the page, it was less subscribers. So I'm definitely being attacked here. <clears throat> slapped so around a little. A little tiny slapped around. Yeah, I, I do feel a tiny bit beat up, but I won't go into that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm super happy to have you here today because the subject has been a real game changer for me when I started looking into it. And, uh, you know, I'm a relatively new Christian, even though I was born again as a child, but uh, came to this with a totally new awareness post-pandemic through the law studies and uh, but it's really good with the help of some people that are close to me. And, and I now include you among those that are pointing the direction. So I don't have to get lost in all the um, doctrine rabbit holes. 
Yeah, and they and they do call it doctrine. I don't mind sharing this right out the gate. What they call doctrine, I call interpretation. Because when I read First Timothy and Titus, he tells us what the doctrine is, and that's essentially the first two letters of the word doctrine. It's what we do. So when I hear a lot of conversation, I'm still going to check out the fruit, which is exactly what Jesus said to do. So you can talk all day. Ultimately, when I fall down and scratch my leg, are you willing to go get me a Band-Aid? Or are you still yelling at me or suggesting that I've got it all wrong and you've got it all right? And, um, you know, that kind of, I, I really think that the fruit has to be regarded here. I know a tree is corrupt by the fruit, not anything else, right? So I think ultimately, I still am going to check that out. Um, words are words. Doc doctrine is what people do. Uh, that's that's kind of how I suss it out. Yeah, and so I'm very interested in showing this perspective. It's, I think, not new. They even have a word for it, preterist. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a few other you know, teachers, speakers, pastors talk about it as well. So it's, it's not uh, like brand new. And it's very fascinating because you've gone to great lengths to show all what you're calling the time stamps in Revelations. And I highly encourage you to go and uh, that last link was direct to the video that we just saw, the music video. And this link is to Shade's channel where he does have a series on Revelation and there it's a growing series because he does a, a live scripture night every Sunday. Uh, he did that last night. It seems like a long time ago already. <laughs> I got the end of it. And, uh, and so you're going chapter by chapter and looking at all of the evidence. Like it's just, it's right there. I, I, I actually would read Revelations and to me right away, I'd go like, I, it was so confusing compared to the rest of the Bible and it, I, I even thought at early on, like this book doesn't even belong here. It wasn't, it wasn't for this scripture. You know, it's not the word of God. It's gobbledygook. Right. Right. right? And that, whether we want to accept this or not, I'm going to suggest strongly that the majority of the reason why you felt that way is because you looked at that book as future as opposed to history, right? That's what was being sold. Whether you agreed or not, that's what was being sold. Whereas when you looked at it, historically it completely alters your lens so and when we really think about it it's a it really is a big deal because when we think of of whether we're talking old testament or new testament jesus is historical in the flesh right he came in the flesh let's say for example the virgin birth we accept that that's history uh that he came and he did his ministry right for approximately three years, they suggest. And I think these scriptures would lean towards that idea as well. But we still accept that it's history. It's only in ultimately end times, uh, if you will, is where this idea is sold that still some things have to happen when it comes to Christ. But but when we look at the teachings of Christ, he said everything was going to happen then in that generation and to that generation to that generation he was speaking to that generation and the book of revelation was a further warning if you will to let his people or anyone who would listen know that some really bad things are coming down the pike you've got some really disturbing folks within the nation of israel there was three factions and basically they were called zealots but they were jewish men and they 
ultimately were killing their own people if they didn't side with them. And it was a civil war and very, I, I mean, I've never heard of this um, coming from the churches themselves. And uh, it's so very important because that was the destruction of the temple. And then, of course, there's the Roman army that comes in from the outside, but it actually started on the inside. That's uh, it's a, a critical piece of information uh, that's that's really missing, I think. Um, but I would say the whole Roman Jewish war that happened in the first century. Um, thank you, Becca. Thank you. Um, uh, it's just absolutely stunning to me that that is at least not shared, you know, it's one thing to say, um, here's our interpretation. That's okay. But there are some other folks that have this. So maybe consider it for yourself what you think. They don't do that. They don't do that. And and again, with prophetic things, right, I, I think that's a necessity. We should be discussing that. That's not doctrine. That's interpretation. And so, as you mentioned, this is not new. This is not new. Um, but it's it's buried, it's hidden. Indeed it is. And uh, I'd love to back up with a question because, you know, in all of the Christian factions out there, there's just like a hundred or, you know, that probably a thousand cuts between them. They're, one of the factions is that the, the Bible is not history. It is allegory. It's symbology. It's, you know, maybe on an extreme other side, astro theology, where it's talking about the stars and the alignment and the seasons and all of that kind of thing. And I don't necessarily see them as mutually exclusive, but I'm a little bit naive as to why that might be anyway. And so what, what is the difference when somebody say, lots of people come to the Bible these days through law and they don't even for a minute maybe consider or they just don't believe in the history of the Bible? And how does that change everything? Well, I think once you recognize that it's history, now we can understand that we can glean from this on every level, spiritually, emotionally, naturally right because all that's in there it's not it's not like there wasn't times where jesus said okay now you better get her something to eat <laughs> so all of it's there and it's all that we need to know and it, we get to recognize the character of god through christ especially and through his teachings right but ultimately the entire thing how god who made himself known the invisible god made himself known through christ who's the express image of the invisible God. So when you look at it historically, the reason why if that gets taken out of the mix, right, now you've handed all history right back over to whoever's got the pen today, <laughs> right? Whereas when you go to the ancient writ, right, that's, we we understand, um, or at least we're having, having, a, have an opportunity to understand the, the front end of mankind, for example. Because I often remind people, you know, Moses, was actually not in Genesis. He wrote it, but he wasn't in it. What do I mean by that? Well, he didn't exist in the time of Noah. So this is where God informed a man named Moses, the true history of mankind and brought it to a nation so that that nation could know the true history of mankind, right? Because Moses wasn't in the flood times and wasn't in Abraham's times. He wasn't neither in Jacob's time. So he was told all, so everything in Genesis, when you're reading it, picture Moses writing down, listening to what God was informing him 
had already happened. So even he was writing down history at that time. And then he brought it to a nation to share the truth of the history, because I'm going to suggest right there that tells you already people were making up their own history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And there's something um, you, you may have already said this, but the, the spiritual loss when you when you don't see it as history is that there wasn't an event a, a, a totally changing event. And even when you when you talk about it, like allegory, well, someone, they see people just sat there and dreamed up these stories. And I mean, not dreamed up, but maybe they still feel like it comes through God. It's heard rather than thought of. And that we're just, yeah. Um, but once, w- once that event is gone, then the whole premise seems lost. Right, right. And much like it, we could, we could even go to recent history right to to say okay well if we start start forgetting recent history what happens if we forget ancient history you know the world was very very much different then and there's a reason for that change and i think that's another underestimation of what christ actually did you know he changed the world on multitudes of levels and it says in in our scriptures the lord came to do a short work and he so when you take 70 years right from when he was born till about 70 AD give or take 70 years, all that was accomplished in 70 years. That's huge. And we're talking about taking essentially tyrannical kingdoms, right? And all of a sudden that's the end of that. You know, that doesn't mean that this world is quote unquote perfect the way we deem perfect is, but it does mean that that type of, you know, where there's this one specific kind of hammer, you know, over everybody like Babylon and and that kind of, cruelty and that kind of overlording, if you will, um, that changed. I mean, you know, you, you got, according to history, you got Christians being burned at the stake, if you will, in the first century. And by within 200 years, people are bowing the knee to Christianity, which is exactly what was predicted in, in the book of Daniel. There you go. Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, Trunice is saying it's about faith because you you can never rest on history and no, none of us really know what happened. They are just stories to us. Um, well, it's, it's very interesting that, that perspective and, and, and that's, if I don't disagree that it is indeed about faith and if somebody's not comfortable, um, with the accounts, then I'll leave that in their hands. I'm, I believe that God is sovereign and therefore he would leave us the information he would leave us the information. But even with this information, and this is true with all things, when there was a scribe that came up to Jesus and 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 said, he asked a question and he said, well, how do you interpret it? Like, in other words, what I'm suggesting to you is it's the exposure of your heart. So these accounts, I believe, are indeed accounts. Now, you might read them or someone might read them one way and they can read the same scripture and we've seen this where they're reading the same scripture, yet what comes out of that for them is completely different for another person. So it's still the exposure of the heart, but I still believe that those accounts happened. And I also believe that when you really, in fact, I would challenge your audience, say, you know what, track yourself this week and try to track when you use uh, hyperbole. Because I notice that I use it every day. So in other words, what I'm saying is, oftentimes people think, well, you know, look at these, you know, like the fire and the smoke and things of that nature. You know what? I say it all. I said it the other day, like literally, I think it was yesterday where I said, 
man, like my, my wife was doing a lot of things. I mean, man, you're on fire today. We do this all the time. We use hyperbole all the time, idiom all the time. Where did we get that from? I'm going to suggest to you, we got it from God because we're made in the image of God. So when you're trying to express something, right, man, it's as, it's as cold as ice in this room. Do you got the furnace on? Why did you have to put the cold as ice part? You know, that kind of thing, right? It was hot as an oven or whatever. We're using analogies all the time to describe, and we always beef up the analogy to give the feeling some good, passionate expression, right? So I see those accounts as true. I just think that the interpretations that people have been given um, aren't um, consistent and are a little, I think they're being a little careless. So I'll give you one example. Um, yeah, so Rob says hyperbole is my mantra. It's true, right? We use it all the time. Man, you know, I've told you a million times. Don't really, did you say it a million times? No, you didn't. Not even close. <laughs> but you're trying to express that however amount of times you said it, you're at your wits end. <laughs> so you can't say, you know, I've told you four times. <laughs> it doesn't quite work as good, right? Um, exactly. So, yes, uh, somebody, oh, sorry. Is that Becca? You want to read Becca's comment? I wanted to bring up this this point. I hope you don't mind uh, the interaction here. That um, oh, no, no, it's great. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, so yeah, it, uh, maybe Christ was here on this earth much closer than we've been taught, and that that is a, another discussion that's been going on. How they may have removed or added a thousand years to the timeline, and that means Christ was here much sooner ago. Right. Right. That yeah. and and that does change things, especially when you look at what seems to be a renaissance. You know, like so many people around me coming to Christ, coming to the Bible without me having to tell them anything. I, I'm in no position to proselytize. I'm just being myself at this point. That's that's the best I can do, sharing the work like you do or, you know, of you and others like you. But yeah. So what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, some people have um, really brought out some information. Uh, I uh, watched a video of a gentleman, I think his name was Gunner, and uh, I was going to share some information from him at some point. Um, so let's start here. First of all, I noted that in the scriptures, technically, even in the epistles, right, the years are not inspired, which what I mean by that is we actually technically didn't have Paul when he wrote a letter or Peter and said, by the way, here's the date on this, right? So technically... You, you can't accuse someone of being wrong if they say, well, I'm not sure about our chronology, because when you look into how they've kind of come up with our chronology, there's room for error there, plenty of it. <clears throat> so, and some folks are coming up with some evidence that they actually think that they've added some years to the timeline. And um, I say that's very, very possible. Um, so I, I don't have an issue with that conversation. So some folks do indeed. And of course, because of the, the kind of uh, construction they see it's not just the pyramids you know the the, the construction that we see in the buildings and uh that there appears to be a lot more technology uh that was being used or they had and that can't be explained by just saying oh well we have a lot of we had a lot of laborers well yeah but they still have to have skill though you can't make buildings like that i mean you you know you've run a you've run a business if you have a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing that doesn't help you 
<laughs> it, it makes things worse. These guys were organized, whoever, whoever made those buildings, right? So they had some wisdom, some understanding, some strength, some technology, and quite frankly, a, a must have had a lot of passion to be able to put the time and energy, whatever that took to be able to create those um, buildings. So yeah, and there's obviously some conversations about those, what, what they're calling mud flood buildings. Um, that's definitely out there. And I would never shun anyone for having that point of view. It's very, it's very interesting. Absolutely. But it doesn't really ultimately, because I think if you look at Ecclesiastes, um, he talks about um, every generation, there's going to be a certain amount of time that's going to cause people to forget. You know, if you read Ecclesiastes, read, read the front end of it. He talks about generations forgetting. And uh, we do. We forget our history. And so the numbers aren't inspired because I don't think that they're really necessary. And I, by the way, I'm going to suggest this, too. I think that's a hint, a big hint, by the way, that... I don't think that this earth comes to some kind of destructive end. I don't, I, I really don't. I, I, I just don't see it in scripture. Um, and by the way, those, that's part of the reason why I don't go like, you know, preterism too much, but I don't mind saying it. There's that's, that was the term, but then like usual, you have your half preterist, preterist, full preterist, et cetera. And and good portion of preterists do think that there's still going to be some end to human history. But when I read Ephesians three, I think it's three twenty one. <clears throat> in fact, I can read it to you. I have it right in front of me, but it basically says world without end. And my understanding of the Greek there, it's as tight as you can get at describing a world that does not end. Um, so I think that's a big deal that, that, that has, if everyone keeps thinking there's going to be some kind of end of the world all the time, right. Um, then, then it's pretty easy to shove people into fear. It's pretty easy to shove people into everything, you know, like the book of Revelation's future. It's very, very easy. Whereas if we recognize, uh, even Ecclesiastes, I think one four, he says, the earth abideth forever, even in the flood, right? Whether, whether you believe that's uh, like an analogy of a story or a true account, which I believe it's a true account. What did this, that destruction really add up to be? It's not the destruction of the earth because the earth is still here. It's not an annihilation of it is what I mean. It's a destruction of the perishables see so it would be like a you have a basement and you have a flood in your basement right okay maybe the you know and god forbid that would happen to you but just to say you know might ruin the carpet right might ruin a lot of things you might have to do, redo some drywalling etc cetera, etc cetera. and you might say oh my entire my basement has been ruined it's destroyed but not really right it's not completely gone so yeah there's a lot of talks about resets too i would suggest that that's what the bible describes i mean the tower of babel seems to be a reset uh the flood the deluge seems to be uh a reset i think when jesus came right um i think it was it was a reset so um yeah i i i just i believe that uh when people say that they're allegorical accounts that's cool I mean, if that's if that's how you as long as you're gleaning something good, that's that's your call. I take it. Um, I, I take allegory with the truth of the accounts. Uh, I, I see them. If the, the right word here is synonymous, it's true. And he's using apocalyptic and allegorical language, as we all do, even to this day, to describe the truth of the accounts. I, I, I think if you we're going to have to accept too, like when you talk about knowing the flood, for example, I think. Me and my brother Don, we were talking about the other day. We even have in our minds, well, they they weren't as smart back then, though. We have to let go of that, right? Noah, if he had better technology than 
the evolution thinking gives us, he could have indeed made that arc. All the numbers still work to this day. The, the, if you look at cruisers, three-story cruisers, they still use that pitch that's in the scriptures. So I think that there's plenty of evidence that that's absolute reality. Now, that doesn't mean there can't be some allegory, you know, the, what the fire can represent. Fire represents devouring things of this nature, but we do that all the time. So, um, but I leave that to folks to, to, to decide on their own. I believe that those are real accounts. I believe that Jesus really was here, for example. Um, I think he's an historical person. And um, I think that that's why God in his sovereignty gave us the scriptures, but also allows our hearts to be exposed as to how we interpret those scriptures. And, and what are you going to do now that you have this? Are you going to mistreat people hmm? or are you going to be cruel? Are you going to oppress people or are you going to help the oppressed? Are you going to be courageous like Christ was? Pick up your cross and call out those extortioners and tell them exactly what you need to tell them? Peacefully, of course, but directly with authority? Or are you going to kind of just go along to get along and ride the fence? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These are all things we have to ask ourselves. And I think I see all the accounts of the Bible always pointing to that. What are you going to do with this? Are you going to stand in the gap? Or are you going to let this one roll? And how often are you going to do that? How long are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for which there is high cost to ride that fence. Absolutely. Um so I would love to talk about now, uh, if you want to screen share, by the way, and, and show us any verses, or you want me to screen share, I can probably pull that up if that helps you to, uh, to after we, after this question to do some, uh, time stamping, maybe like kind of an overview of, of how you're seeing this just so blatant. I mean, when I saw, when, when you pointed it out, I'm like, mm, of course, right. And the destruction of the earth, it's always referring to a region of some kind, not the whole entire you know, I, I did this, I actually don't believe that, but the whole, you know, <laughs> entire earth. <clears throat> and, and so say the Bible is allegory, then the, um, the blood sacrifice that was required for the people's atonement before Christ came mm -hmm. would be a heck of a lot easier to, uh, you know, to fathom and, and, justify or reconcile in my mind, which I know, you know, I don't No, nobody's asking me if I, I could reconcile uh, the Bible, but when, but as history, then, you know, this is a, um, it feels, it feels like a hurdle I've got over many times and there's, there's something tenacious that keeps coming back. So maybe you can uh, totally finish it for me now, but you know, how that, how that is not indicative. This, this is what some Gnostics will use as indication that, that that's not even God, that's Satan, right? That requires mm -hmm. blood sacrifice and 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 what. So I'm just curious to hear what your um, how you would talk about that. Well, from my perspective, I think it's all the way back to Genesis, where Cain, by the way, um, slew his brother. And again, um, in this account. Uh, most folks, I have to remind them, as best as I can tell, that was not an influence of Satan. That, that was, it was purely Cain, covetous, envious. Abel had done nothing wrong, but saw that his offering was righteous according to God and his wasn't, and he took it out on his brother. So I see a very human, right, but um, rebellious move there. And so when I when I see all things, I do indeed see much like a knife can be used for good or can be used for evil, 
right? So I see the blood sacrifice the same way. I see it in that Jesus's sacrifice was to cleanse us as high priest, as opposed to his sacrifice being towards some kind of demonic. Because remember, he wasn't um, harming anyone else. He was offering himself. That's, that's a far different point of view, I think, than the point of view of, okay, well, let me see. Okay, I'm going to offer you, Beth. <laughs> right? That's way different, right? As opposed to giving yourself. And I think that he showed the utmost of giving of selflessness in that, because as he even says, he says, what more can someone do but give all that he has, including his life? And we admire, isn't it interesting? We you're even the title of the show, King's Hero, right? If, did I pronounce King that properly? King yeah. Hero. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Common, and, common mistake. I don't know why, but <laughs> no, well, we're we're gonna try to correct that. King heroes. And um if someone gave up their life for yours, what would you think of that? Would you think that was satanic? If they saved you out of a burning building, would you think that was a satanic move? No. No. Do, do you see how we convolute it? Because of not recognizing, I think, that all things, all things, it comes down to us. Because I do still believe we're satient beings. What are you going to do with this? I've given this to you. I've given this to you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this? So if you're, and you can always apply it. So if you saw me give up my life, even unto blood. How about, you know, how about uh, veterans? The same people say, oh, you know, thanks. You know, those veterans, so wonderful. It's a great, okay, right. They, did they not give up their bodies and their blood for your freedom? Of course they did. That's your whole point, isn't it? So why in that case, is it not satanic? Well, it's not satanic because of the purpose, the heart and, and the spiritual motivation as to why they're giving themselves up. And again, I'm going to repeat, they're giving themselves up. So I think that there's a lot more going on in the spirit than we oftentimes recognize because we go carnal, we see, we hear sacrifice, and then we say, okay, automatically uh, demonic. Well, it depends what the sacrifice was for. And I think we have to accept that. I think, it, again, I, I think you kind of got, got me on that one, right? That you kind of catch what I'm saying, that if someone gives themselves for others, then I, I fail to see how that could possibly be satanic. I think it's a high priest. I think he gave the, all things. And, and that was the purpose. Um, also, if you study the Jewish wedding too, that will help very much because there's a whole uh, thing that in those customs where the very different from today, by the way, is that the groom, right, would um, have to sh prepare all things give up all things, if you will, and have gifts, not only for the bride, but for the bride's family, because the bride's family was, right? So he was, because the bride's family would be losing their daughter, right? And that son-in-law, that future son-in-law had to, in his purpose, give to show that he was taking the bride. It was He was offering a gift, if you will, to show his commitment to the bride. And so Jesus, and that's why you're seeing all those references in the scriptures. If we lose track of that kind of content of how they viewed the Jewish wedding, then you're not going to see that what Jesus did was he offered all 
of what he had for his bride. That's the idiom. But the idiom is talking about God's people. He gave up everything he had for God's people. So I see his sacrifice um, as absolute beauty because it's it's also exposing, I believe, the ugliness of sin, of wrongdoing, the ugliness of it, because we oftentimes bury our heads when it comes to the, the damage that we cause, often even to one another by the things we say, right? By the things we do, breaking a promise, right? Being betrayed, the harm that causes. How can you, how can you see that? If I just say, yeah, being betrayed is bad. Oh, I know. Isn't being betrayed bad? Yeah, it's really bad. Okay. But see, if you see what Christ had to go through because of our betrayals, because of our errors and what we do to one another, you're seeing it in the physical because that's how he communicated it to us. He communicated it through Christ to see the pains and the sufferings of what, when we harm each other, right? When we lash out each other at each other, what that actually looks like in the spirit world. Yeah, thank you very much for that. For, uh, for me, it's much easier to understand everything that you're saying with regard to Christ and that transformation of the, the, the sacrifice of the flesh to be born in the spirit. It makes perfect sense to me. And then I won't belabor this very long, but when you look at the Old Testament and why the, you know, the purest animal needed to die to atone for uh, the sins of of the individuals. First of all, uh, you, you don't see that going back to Adam and Eve. That that like sort of classic fall. You think that's more Cain, and then and then I'm just curious, like how how does that blood satisfy a completely different? Because first of all, they did not give their life freely. That was the choice of the person who sinned or the priest, right? So that's different from Christ's sacrifice. And, and so do you see like God as requiring that death to balance the books? Is that how it goes? I think that ultimately what that was really about the whole time, even those feasts were about Christ to begin with. It was to foretell who Christ was and who he was and where he was going to be placed in the spiritual kingdom and how he was going to be the chief cornerstone of it. So all those feasts and those high priests, they were, and you read the book of Hebrews with that point of view. I think the writer of Hebrews, who I believe to be Paul, explains that entire thing, even the temple. It was all a physical, something that people could set their eyes upon, but a physical demonstration of what's happening in the spiritual realm. So when you're reading about like those, those animals, for example, that are being sacrificed, and then John the Baptist says, here is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. See, so those animal sacrifices at that time were all precluding and were all about Christ. That's why he said the volume of the book is written of me. And that does not exclude the, those, uh, rudiments, those rudiments. And there's such specific things. He talks about, you know, the leaven and then he talks about the salting and how you have to eat it quickly and all that, that all of that is pointing towards Christ to let them know and recognize who was coming and what he was going to accomplish um, for the spiritual kingdom, because that spiritual kingdom is, I believe the new creation that he was speaking of. And, um, now, when it comes to the animals part, when it comes to, I think you you see Abel bringing that because I think of the basis that you see that as soon as um, the what they call what they call the fall of man, 
is where you'll see that immediately God put covers covers Adam and Eve with 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 skins. So you're already seeing the hint that that's the the covering the covering the protection right coming under the fold of and that's why you're seeing those types of um analogies even from christ where he says how often what i have gathered you like a hen does her chicks but you would not and so behold your house remains to you desolate you wouldn't come under my cover you wouldn't come to me where i could cover you and take care of you and so i think all those all those feasts were pointing to Christ and what he was going to do, what he was going to do and how to the display of his passion and his love for um, not only for his father, but that's primary, of course, his love for his father, but also his love for us. And, and I think that's very well explained in Hebrews. And, and also, I think Paul writes it in another epistle where he talks about how Christ loved us so much that he was even willing to die while people were shaking his fists at him. He was still willing to to do that. And that's that's a love beyond, right? Because he talks about like, I might be willing to give up my life, let's say for my wife and for my children, but not for my neighbor's kids that always break my windows, <laughs> right? But see, the love of God is beyond that. And I think that's the display of it. How else can you display the love of God? Is it through just plainly creation? I would suggest we have plenty of sunny days and then people complain that it's too hot. And then when the sun goes away, up, oh, it's too cold. Oh, it's too windy. Oh, it's too muggy. So, so you know, the even the beauty in creation, human beings can ignore. But you can't ignore the love of God through that great sacrifice. Because I don't mind telling you, I'll tell you straight as, as oh, are you a Christian shade? Absolutely. Would you give up your children for me? No. See? I don't, I don't, I ultimately, I'm not God because I wouldn't do that. So, but he would, that's how high up his love is. And I think that's the communication that his love for us is, is greater than we can imagine. And that what he has planned for us is bigger than anything we can imagine. And I, all of that describes that. I don't know how else he could have communicated that. I, I really don't. How else could he have communicated it? People ignore when they see creation, they say, oh, well, it's just a natural process. Right. They just kind of just, no, God didn't have to create that. It just happened. I don't know. Things smashed up in the, uh, you know, by the satellites there. <laughs> you mean you're on the same page on that one, right? Doesn't, I would suggest, by the way, if every month the, I don't know, pick an ocean parted for 20 minutes in the same time every month. People go, yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. It's probably because, you know, the tides of the moon and you know, the clashes with the light of the sun. That's why that happens. Yeah. And we just explain it away. But see, the demonstration of Christ, you can't you can't deny what all that entails. Yeah, nor am I at all. It, it's 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 more the the Old Testament, you know, just I'm just trying to figure out God. I talk to God all the time and uh, ask him, like, do you regret this? What, you know, creating humanity is such a mess, for example, but we won't get it too much into that. Uh, I think he was pointing. I don't mind. I think he was pointing to again. Look at the viciousness of sin. Look mm -hmm. like like look at look at what you have to do here. Like if if he didn't do that, how would they? Like I think he was trying to look at the look at this innocence that is destroyed because of your sin. I think that's what the communication of the spirit is. Right. That look at the look at the innocent. Do we not destroy innocence when we when we sin against children for example 
-hmm. We do. We destroy it. And I think that's, he, he was trying to communicate. Look at how gruesome this is. I think he was trying to communicate that. I, I do. I think that through those sacrifices. And then, of course, um, we know that when it was Christ himself and, you know, even reading some of those things that last night when you were on the call, reading the book of Josephus, you know, the degree of cruelty that, that you know, people can manage to go to when they become faithless and when they become, um, I don't know, either afraid or calloused. Um, and, and look at the cruelty that they that people can can manage to get themselves to right look at um and I think he displayed it I think that that was a display and as and although sometimes um is it can be hard to bear I think that was the point I think that was the point see see how difficult this is even just to read yeah see what I mean I think that's what you see what I mean what you do like if you you speak ill about Beth behind her back do you have any idea how much you're harming her right now? No, you don't see, but maybe if I displayed it, so how can I display it to you? Well, innocence, innocence being ruined here because of what you're doing. And I think if we really set ourselves in the context of the type of things they would do, I mean, even read Babylon and what he would do. Uh, I mean, these, he would, these guys would say, well, wow, these Hebrew women are, um, you know, very, lovely and robust or whatever so we better we better kill them because we don't want our babylonian women to get upset you know that that type of right so how do you display the 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 viciousness of that right and um i think that that's what he was trying to do ultimately taking it all the way to christ taking someone who was purely innocent they had no charge and condemning him the way they condemned him so I think that I, if, if that helps you anyways, that's kind of how I see it, exactly. that he's, he's displaying the painfulness that you're causing to people um, and to one another when we when we're vicious and untruthful. And um, and again, that doesn't mean once in a while you might have to say to me, you know, Beth might have to say, hey, Shade, you know what you're doing there. That, that's not cool. You got to stop that. And that's and that that truth should help me. Right. Because you don't want me to get into trouble. You don't want me to whatever, gamble my house away and hurt, hurt my relationships and things of this nature. Um, but at the same time, uh, people shouldn't talk behind each other's back. They shouldn't um, make false accusations. Very, very vicious. They shouldn't uh, take all well, use, you know, informed consent. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's the center pin of medical of our medical establishment. And everybody was willing to toss that out the window like that. I couldn't believe it. It was shocking. And so again, things of that nature, right? Like, do you have any idea how vicious this is for some people? And I'm, I'm going to suggest to you most, a lot of people are going, no, <laughs> right? Like, we'll just exactly. follow the yeah. exactly. so they're, they're trying to show. Yeah. Their conscious conscience is not intact. So when they're getting messages, it's, it's all suppressed. They can't feel they're in denial, whatever, whatever. That's why I do the work that I do. So people can learn to feel and go through that door of that pain that God has given as a gift. It is a gift. Your freedom is on the other side of that 100% of the time. And, 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 you know, we, we, we will go on, but I, I think I thank you for this. It, it, it does help a lot. Again, I had, I had reconciled with the, uh, the story of Christ and that sacrifice makes perfect sense to me, but, and now this makes more sense. And I just wonder if God was going like, you know, even when you said, don't eat this tree, the result will be death. Like that should have been enough right? Like that, that should have been enough. But, but, the, but it was the, as if the, um, how do you say, like the bluff was called or I, I can't 
cl claim they thought he was bluffing, but then, you know, God being a just God has to uh, actually follow through and do what he said to do. So anyway, I'm, I'm a, a, a little more solid on that and, uh, and get that. And also uh, just some understanding that I came to, I can't remember exactly how, but you know, it's, it's not, I don't see it as much as that God turned away from the sinners. It's that the energy of the sin um, doesn't reckon, doesn't, uh, can't be in the presence of that, you know, the, the pure source energy that God is, you know, the, the, yeah, deeper the ourselves, sin, right? yeah, the deeper the sin, the deeper the debt, de the, the greater the divide, even though it, the, the most uh, extreme sinner could come to God at any moment, like we're told that like the greatest thief or anything like that. But the likelihood of that happening when you've got compounded, the compounded debt of sin, it becomes much an, an, um, less likely. So that's how I, uh, yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we've probably all been in experiences where you're in a situation and then things are getting uglier in that situation and uglier in that situation. Right. And it kind of causes you, I think I'm going to leave. I better get out of here before this gets really bad. Right. Exactly. And so, yes, we, we, we don't, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're, moving towards the light and you see, see heavy darkness, right? You, you, you want to, you want to separate from that. And I think that uh, much like in the creation, um, there is a point you garden. So I love that part as you're gardening that you see a plant and you're like, okay, well, I still, you know, I think it'll be okay. Maybe if we get some compost over here, maybe we'll, you know, kind of move the dirt around a little bit and maybe a little bit water, but not too much, but a little bit. And maybe we can put some stuff, maybe less sun and you're trying to, but there, and then the plant is going down, is going down, is going down, is going down. And then there's a point where you go, you know what, um, this one's not going to give me any fruit. And so I even see it in all in all creation that that there there indeed is oftentimes a point uh, that the scriptures I think even point out that that the person ends up being handed over to a reprobate mind they can't let go of of the position because they've gotten just too deep into whatever that darkness um, was. So the uh, the 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 change of mind is definitely important to kind of uh, put yourself in a position of of light. You know, and that's what we do. We expose, we expose darkness. It exists, but I think it has a purpose. I think it really does. And I think we've talked about that too. Just like, you know, uh, when I come up with the rabbit poo and bringing it into the garden, my, my children are like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, well, this is going to fertilize the garden and it's going to provide us some good fruit. So what is that really in, in, in the image that you're seeing right in creation? I would suggest what that is, is, is some of this darkness or some of this, these things that we say are, you know, not so good. Right. But it has a purpose where it create, where the, so if I were to make this analogy with us, we grow in our faith. We grow in the spirit when we're challenged, not when things are hunky dory when right the test of any relationship i think everybody can attest to this after the last three years i bet you after the last three years there's a good portion of your listeners that, that were shocked at certain people that they knew at how they turned on them so quickly so you had no idea did you why because the test of that relationship was in the tribulum was in the tribulum was when the you know proverbial poop hit the fan that's when you found out what that person's 
heart position was. When it was hunky-dory, hunky-dory, you couldn't see it. It's when the trouble came. Now, here we go. Much like a marriage, I would suggest, um, is most tested right when maybe like one of you uh, it falls ill for a while or loses their job and they're not able to provide as well what's what are you going to do are you going to you know just cut and run or are you going to come you know see this through because this is a painful but if you get to the other side your relationship would be even stronger than before right but if you cut and run then you miss that opportunity to grow in the spirit by those challenges. I just, I, I just see that all over creation and I see it in our relationships and I see it's necessary, I think, for us to grow in spirit. Got it. I like how Bellingtona also uh, describes that. I, I get what you're saying too. And uh, the, the darkness is polarizing. It makes you choose because if it's all, if it's all gray, and you can kind of tolerate and get by, then you're, you're not going to stand up. You're not going to take a stand, whether that's the runaway or the, you know, whatever it call, is called for in that circumstance. So, um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there. You know, even with words, mm -hmm. you know, even with words, right? Someone can say, this is a bad word. And of course, there's going to be times where I'm going to concede and say, okay. But I would suggest even with words, what's the difference with the word dung? which is in our Bible, but we know what that means. But if someone uses, you know, S-H-I-T instead of dumb, what's, what's the difference? Who determined that this word was bad and this word was good? Who determined that? King James or the translators of King James? Like who determined that, right? You determine like, it, right? With your, with your intention. Right. You say the word with the intention of, uh, you know, unclean of, of sin that you know you're sinning then right. that is sin. But if you say it and it's clean, then it's nothing to do with the the word. The word is not the word. Right. Yeah, it's the, their letters. So it's the, again, even the words, it's the intent of the heart. You know, so if you say, you know, oh, you know, believe, and that was really funny or I really enjoyed that, then the word isn't evil because you had no evil intent behind the word. Yeah. So, and again, I don't mind some boundaries with language and things of this nature, but ultimately, ultimately you can turn around and say, when I said the word deer, all of a sudden that was offensive. Well, well, well what <laughs> do you see? So, well, my intention wasn't to be cruel to you. I said, you know, here's your change, dear. I, I didn't mean that in an evil way, but now I'm evil just because of the word who determined that that's a form of control as well. And a lot of that is in kind of, you know, orthodox teaching of scripture. So who determines what a bad word is? Well, I'm going to suggest to you again, the spirit determines that the heart of the person determines that and you can sense that, right? We can have a conversation and use different words for, you know, dung if we want, but you'll know whether I'm being evil towards you in the spirit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, good conversation. Would you like to um, start talking about revelations and some of those timestamps? Sure. Do you want us to pull up the scripture? Can we pull up the scripture, Don? Yeah, yeah, we can We can pull up the scripture. It might be easier that way for sure. us. To that would be awesome. Yeah, if you hit the present button at the bottom of your screen or if Don does. And, uh... It says share screen? Yeah. Okay. Look at us go. <laughs> oh, we lost him. <laughs> okay. I imagine he'll be right back. There you go. Might have hit a wrong button there. So uh, yeah, this is all very interesting to me. I, uh, I it's my version of growing in public, and uh, it's really fun. Actually, I'm I'm now enjoying 
reading the Bible much more than I was before because there's much more understanding and I don't come away confused and wondering, you know, what I was uh, spending all that time for. It, it, it has come. I've now read from uh, the whole the whole of the New Testament almost right up until the end of Revelation. Then I'll I'll go work on the Old Testament a little bit more. And uh, yeah, no, it's really a good a good puzzle because my heart tells me that it's real and true. That my heart tells me so. I can't ignore that, right? That's 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 the thing that I have to go on. I think there's a, a verse in the New Testament somewhere about witness, and that's the subject. And here's shade again. Yay! All right, you're back. See, the, the you know, rock stars just when they decide to just step out of the building, they just leave. Gone. <laughs> exactly. There's a word for that when you leave without saying goodbye. Yeah, we don't even say, well, we just leave. We just disappear. We don't care. We, yeah. You know, that's not very nice of us, is it? <laughs> so we apologize in advance for that. Uh, no we, yeah, we're just trying to get these uh, scriptures up for you and do it and not, uh, and not lose you guys. <laughs> I love it. I like this right. smack. The Bible's a roadmap to our higher mind. Love that. I love it. Yeah. Major return to faith, Andre. Hello, Andre. There's a, um, because the God of Mon I is a pretender. Do you know what his reference is there? Uh, the God of Mon I? Mm -hmm. Is it, I, I'm just because I'm looking at some of the scriptures here. Is it M O N I? Yeah. Is that like my I? Is that a French thing? I don't know. Okay. No, I'm not sure what that is. We'll All right. Go, we'll go one on that, Dom. Revelation one. Here we go. All right. So can you guys see the screen? No, we can't. But uh, here. There we go. Oh, we can see it now? We can see it now. Okay, great. And I'll drop the banner so you can see the whole thing. Okay, great. Um, so uh, this is English Standard Version. Um, it really... For me, it doesn't really matter that much in the sense of some people like Old King James. I can put it over that. Is, is your audience prefer Old King James? Mm, I I don't know that they have any preference. You go with what you prefer. Okay. Just because this is up. You can check this all in the uh, Old King James. Right. But in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place soon yeah, right out of the gate right out of the gate it's the first sentence here it's literally right out the gate which must soon take place the old king james says which must shortly come to pass it has to happen soon and also by the way he says it again in verse three so it's you know so it says he made it known by sending his angel to his servant john who bore witness to the word of god and to the testimony of jesus christ even to all that he saw blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep that it is that excuse me keep what is written in it for the time is near <laughs> so two times must soon take place the time is near period there, that's a, those are two monstrous timestamps right at the front end of the book of Revelation. And picture yourself reading this, whatever date you want to pick. If you read that, would you not be assuming that was going to more than likely be happening in your lifetime or maybe your children's lifetime, something reasonable? I think that's the answer not saying one or 2,000 years. That would be a different way to talk about time absolutely and and 
a hundred percent. I, I, I'm not, I'm just going to leave that because what you just said is perfect. And there's no reason for me to say any more on that one. And now that's the front end of the book. Do me a favor, uh, brother Dom, uh, hit 22 there for me. All right now that's the front. So that's how the book opens. And then when you go to the book, um, and take a look at the backside of the book. So this, that was the front. This is the end of it. Right. Um, and by the way, just to throw this in there for anybody who likes to say there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and revelation chapter 22 is the last <laughs> chapter of uh, revelation. So I just find that interesting. Um, but anyways, 22 verse six, right? It talks about Jesus coming and you can see they'll write that down, right? As if it's future tense. Um, old King James doesn't typically have these titles by the way. So there's an advantage in that way, but either way, if you have, if you keep audience relevance, and who it was written to and when it was written, you would acknowledge that, okay, he's talking about them. And as you can see, he says it again on the back end of this book. He says, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And that's, um, that's John talking. That's right? John that's writing this book in the first century and i think that the book of revelation times itself um in the time of nero because um i can take you there and i'll i'll explain why on that one and what does he say in the next line and behold i'm coming soon <laughs> i come quickly is how it is said in the old king james so soon take place coming soon and then i go to verse 10 and he says he says do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near See, if the time was far away, he should have said, seal up the words of this promise, for it will not be for a long time. <laughs> right? He doesn't say that. He does say that in the book of Daniel. So go to look at book of Daniel, chapter 8, verse 26, or in, I believe it's chapter 11, 12, somewhere in there. Um, you will see that he's, in fact, I think it is chapter 12. He says, seal up the books, Daniel, for it's not going to be for a long time. So everything that Daniel was told was going to be for quite some time. He tells John, do the opposite. Don't seal it because the time is near. You see, so Daniel prophesied what was going to happen in Christ's time. John is validating that now is the time. Before, seal it up. Now, open it up because it's here. But when is that? It's not here 2023. It's here in i'm going to suggest to you around 55 ad <clears throat> and then it, again he follows up here and says behold i'm coming soon repeats it repeats it several times and then of course um i'm going to give you um i'll come back to 15 for a moment just to just to note something but um verse 20 he says it again he who testifies to these things says surely i am coming soon so if you put this in the timeline of the first century, he's repeating at the back end of this book that he's coming around the corner. And I'm going to ask your audience to actually, you know, read verse 15. This is the back end of the book. And when we talk about a perfect world, if you will, um, at the back end of Revelation, there seems to still be um, some things that most of us would suggest, you know, shouldn't be there anymore. So I'm going to suggest to you that that would be something to study because this is the final chapter. And he says, outside are the following items here, right? And so 
uh, I have a, I'm getting the sense that the idea that uh, humanity ends is is maybe offside. Um, but it, again, staying in the context of of timelines and time stamping, I, I think it's undeniable that the Book of Revelation is saying exactly what it's saying. And so, if I were to take this and match it up with what Jesus said, and I'll have you go to Matthew 24, brother. And there's several things that start to open up. And um, I'll have you go through it. But ultimately, he says right here, I think it's in verse, um, he says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. All right? It, it just, that's Jesus saying that. Right. At that time, he said, "This generation, this, so, this one, yeah." So, so he and who was he talking to? If you go to the beginning of this, he was talking to his disciples. <laughs> I mean, why would you warn, right? Your what he should have said when he says, "Because they, they're walking through, they see the temple, and he says the temple's going to be destroyed." So they're like, "Oh, okay, when's that going to happen?" And notice it's the end of the age, not the end of the world. Notice that that's that's an accurate uh, translation. Old King James oftentimes oftentimes says world when it should say age. And again, I don't know if there's any evil intent per se. I'll let everybody else decide that. But the way we understand that now, age would be better. And so he says they ask him, when is this going to happen ultimately? Right. So he says to them, see that no one leads you astray. So he starts to give them warnings as to what's going to happen in their time so that they don't get tricked or deceived, right? He's talking to them. If if these things weren't going to be happening in their time, well, then what's the warning for? It should have started, well, listen, guys, I'll tell you what's going to happen, but you won't have to worry about this because this is not happening in your time. But no, he gives them the information because they're the ones that are going to definitely have to keep their eyes on what's going to happen. And um, by the way, if you study this in the Greek, when it says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If you keep audience relevance, he's saying, hey, Peter, John, James, you know, all you guys, my disciples, everybody listening, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, right? But in the Greek, this actually would read out, and you will be about to hear of wars and rumors of wars. In other words, it's future, but very near future. Like when, I, if I was saying, I'm about to come over Beth, right? It's future, but it's near future. That's the term in the Greek. The word is mellow or mayo, depending how you want to um, uh, pronounce it, but it's M-E-L-L-O in its regular tense. And it's used 110 times in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes for it's about this is about to happen now it's not always in prophecy but sometimes it is but again prophecy according to what jesus is saying in 30 a.d so that this is about to happen and so this is where he says this generation and he says this by the way in mark 13 and he says this in luke 21 this generation and i find this one especially astounding um i'll have you um go to Matthew 16 for me, bro. Awesome. I'm just going to take you to the end here. And you will see um, once again, and I'm just trying to match up that Jesus said this, and therefore the book of Revelation was to further warn them of what Jesus had already prophesied, keeping in mind that Jesus said this according to our chronology around 30 AD, 
right? So maybe by 60 AD or 50 AD, 20 people might start going, well, you know, I don't know, maybe said that, right? So they needed to be reminded that what was said is going to stand, right? And so I think that that's part of the purpose, a little conjecture on my part, but you might need, like if you're waiting 10 or 15 years, right? You might need a reminder, much like what we started with today with the with the song Anchor. People might need a reminder of how we got here, right? So we don't want to forget that. So we keep reminding that we, hey, we still got some work to do. So when you look at this section, um, Jesus says, talks about his arrival, which I believe was a, was a spiritual power um, arrival. Uh, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here, here, right now, in front of them, who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So what he's saying there is some of you aren't going to die before this happens. That's what he's saying. That's reasonable if it's within 40 years. Now, in the next chapter, some people accredit it to the transfiguration vision. But the problem is then the whole part, some of you will not taste death. I would suggest it because that transfiguration was six to eight days later. So what that should have said is none of you will taste death because <laughs> the likelihood of any of those folks dying within seven days, you know, six to eight days is pretty slim. So I'm going to suggest that's, again, the futurist position trying to push us to think that he was talking to some future generation. So he's saying some of you are not going to taste death before all the things that I've told you is going to happen. And I'm going to give you another one that I think actually sneaks by even most of the finest uh, preterists. And that's, I'm going to give you um, Matthew 12. And this is a very interesting section. If you have some background um, on the Old Testament, you'll know who he's talking about here. And in this section right here, then some of the scribes, this is Matthew uh I think 12 uh, verses 38 to 42 says, then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. All right. So it's always about a sign, but he answered them an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Everybody, even the futurist recognizes that that sign is the resurrection of Christ, right? Which happened in that generation. So he says, the only sign I'm going to give you guys is the sign of my resurrection. But then he continues. He says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's where I believe the captives actually were. So we can talk about that another time if you want. But then he continues, says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation. Here's the thing. The men of Nineveh are dead. They've physically died already. See, that's the thing. And he's saying they're going to rise up at the judgment with that generation and condemn it. And then he explains, he says, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, someone greater than Jonah is here. And you guys aren't changing your mind. You guys are continuing to do all the wicked things that you should not be doing. 
Then he continues and says the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation. Here's another problem again for the future position. Queen of, queen of the south is in the time of Solomon. This is queen of Sheba. So she's already in the ground physically. And he's saying she's going to rise up at the judgment with that generation. So um, when you see that, you, re you recognize, well, she can only rise up with that generation if everything Christ said is going to happen within the first century. And oftentimes um, you're going to see lots of references to timestamps, even in the epistles. So I'll take you there. So that's Jesus saying that it is going to happen in that time frame. Go with Romans 13, brother. Because then you're going to start seeing all the timestamps in the epistles. Is this okay? Where everybody's comfortable still? All right. I'll continue on here. It says, besides this, you know, the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is gone. Excuse me. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. All right. We'll go to um, Philippians, for example. Philippians uh, 4. Philippians is surprisingly hard to spell. Yeah. <laughs> it, is. it yeah. challenges us, doesn't yeah. it? Thanks to John. <laughs> yeah. And it says, um, let your reasonableness here in verse 5 be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. <laughs> right? So again, there's a that's a time stamper that you'll roll right by if you're always thinking in future. But again, if you were the Philippians in the first century reading this, how would you look at that? I think you would say, okay, he's talking to me. And therefore, he did return. And that was, that's what the destruction of the temple was about. We'll go to Hebrews. Mm -hmm. At hand, it's not even future. It's like at hand here now. Yeah, like, right? Like if I were to say, yeah, I'm around the corner from your house, uh, you know, <laughs> you would uh, go with uh, chapter 10, bro. You know, you wouldn't be thinking, okay, you have time to, I don't know, take a really long bath and maybe mow the lawn, <laughs> you know? So the, yeah, the whole, the whole context here is that it's around the corner. And so much like when you're reading anything in the Old Testament as history, I would suggest to you that when you see that, here we we can start to recognize what christ really did for us and um as you can see in 10 25 he talks about them meeting together i'm not saying we shouldn't well, of course we should we're doing that right now aren't we and it's good we know that this is good this is how we should glean from the epistles he says don't neglect to meet together you guys are going to need each other is what he's saying he says as it as is the habit of some right but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near now either they're seeing the day drawing near or they're not if they are that's them that's seeing it draw near so and the day is capitalized because it's the judgment day it's that day where where christ is going christ to returns. that christ returns to and bring he and again in the old testament as usual he uses because again, we've talked about this too, right? That spiritual power is you can't kill a spirit, right? So you can toss a rock at my head and kill me because I'm physical, right? But if but if I get resurrected as a spirit being, uh, you can't hurt me by throwing a rock at my head. Won't work, right? So he 
came in in the the physical way to have seen that was the destruction of the temple that he was discussing in Matthew 24 Mark 13 and Luke 21 the destruction of that temple also by the way ended what the animal sacrifices why well because Jesus that was all about Jesus so he had fulfilled that sacrifice because he came and fulfilled it because that was God sending his son to reconcile us and to display all things as to what we discussed earlier and if in the same book just a little bit further down verse 37 says for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay <laughs> so once again you're seeing this very time relevant he's letting them know this is around the corner hang tight hang out with one another stay encouraged because it's around the corner that's that's not a way to um that's not a 2000 year warning uh james 5 brother and you're seeing james do the same thing so we're going to different epistles and they're all repeating the same <laughs> the same mo right and you're going to show it to you in james he says the same thing he says you also be patient now remember who he's talking to he's talking to them that doesn't mean we shouldn't be patient people but we still have to keep the account in context of the ones who are receiving this letter of encouragement and he says you also be patient establish your hearts for the coming of the lord is at hand says it again different guy writing the same thing they are all they are all carrying the same message then he says do not grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged behold so again he's he's talking about how they treat one another right i want i want to see brothers and sisters uh, you know treating one another very 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 kindly and and embracing one another right that's what we're supposed to do and he's like don't don't start getting into arguments right because we don't want anything to befall you guys and then he continues says because behold the judge is standing at the door so if i told you i was standing at the door if i told you something was right at the door you know we can play with the context a little depending on right if i say hey i'm about to start building my house that you know you might say he means like in a few months okay you know but but i don't know how you stretch this to um 2000 years so my answer is well you don't <laughs> you don't stretch it to 2000 years because he's standing at the door if that's being written in 50 60 ad certainly was written quite a while ago no matter what they've done with the chronology it must have happened back then we'll go with uh first peter uh chapter four while you guys are finding it do you have any um parts in you that adhere to the astrotheology um flatsmack biblical was just saying wasn't the finish of animal sacrifices about taurus moving into pisces do you have any of that in your own we don't have to go into detail i'm just curious no i i i did i i would i would have to be direct i have no knowledge or understanding of that i know of some people that look at that though but so so i'm not smearing it anyway but i just don't have a good understanding um of it that's okay so, yeah you go, go on i appreciate the question though and i'm i'm sorry that i'm, I'm not more well versed in that area it's okay um so the verse seven the end of all things is at hand right so i mean i i i that's just as plain as it can be and this is peter this is first peter so i i mean we're going right back to the same 
tone and time stamping. Um, this goes right back to the message of uh, Christ himself, or actually we'll go to John the Baptist. I think it's Matthew 3, 7. We'll just go Matthew 3. Oh, you missed an H. See that? Look at that. All right. Here we go. And he says, um, he says, this is what John the Baptist says to um, the Pharisees. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Right. So now why would he be telling them that a wrath was going to be coming upon them, a warning of that, if that wasn't going to happen in their time. And then he continues with this kind of idiom where he says, even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. All right. So, and then of course he's talking about how, you know, some big stuff is going to go down. He says, every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And here's John using Old Testament idioms to really make it very clear that there's going to be a reconciliation, an ax that is laid to the root of the trees. What does that mean? Generally speaking, it's getting ready to get chopped down. And you can see by this idiom, he talks about the fruit of the trees. So oftentimes when you're reading the scriptures, vegetation, that's it, that's oftentimes describing us, um, whether we're good trees or and or, you know, corrupt trees. All right. So, and you will see many times, actually, um, if I recall, even in Mark, I'm just kind of winging it now. Go Mark one for me, bro. I think Mark one, is it 15? I think that he says it. Um, oh yeah, right here. Um, and it says now after John was arrested, so John gets arrested for calling out King Herod, um, because he had married his brother's wife, which was not appropriate according to the law. And Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. See, so the, the amount of time that needed to be fulfilled is fulfilled. And so now we're in the process of bringing in the kingdom of God. And he himself, Jesus saying, it is at hand. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that it's 2000 years from now. He's saying it is at hand. And if I were to take you to John 5, this is again, Jesus talking. I'm kind of winging this one too, but I just remember reading this. Um, he talks about, um, sorry. All right. Okay. And then he says, um, okay. All right. He says, yeah, right here. He says, truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking in the book of John. I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. See, this is what I call, I'm sure that the English majors have a better word for this. I call this active present tense with active future, active near future, excuse me. It's kind of like me saying, I'm leaving now to come to deliver this couch, right? So right now it's happening. And with, with the intended result coming in a very near future. That's what he's saying. He says, an hour is coming and is now here. See, it's present and immediate future. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So again, I, I, I'm just really trying to bring people into the time stamping. 
right? This is an hour that's coming and is now here. He said this in 30 AD. So why is he including the future tense? Well, I think because he has to bring it all to a close. As I mentioned, the uh, feasts of the Bible, um, those, those rudiments that you were speaking of um, with the animals, those were all pointing to Christ himself. And so that's why he's saying the hour is coming because those feasts had to be fulfilled in him because that's actually who it was originally about anyways to point to him who in turn points to the father and of course he says and is now here because he's there in present tense in 27 to 30 a.d according to our chronology to point to the absolute fact that he was ushering in the new kingdom of god in that generation so hopefully that was helpful in the sense of um timeline and timestamping. I could give you more, but I think, you know, once you've hit that many, the person, yeah, you can stop sharing. I think at that point, if, if Beth is okay in that regard. For sure. Yeah. Um, no, that's a really good overview actually. Right. It was quick yeah. points. Um, there's more I can, but, but when, you know, it's, it's like, kind of like we experience. like once you've told someone, you know, three, five, 10, 15 pieces of information that point to the same direction, they still say no. Well, I could, I could give you 20 more and it won't make a difference because you've positioned yourself to just not agree. Right. And that's, and then that, that's up to people to make their own decision. But I think the, you know, we talked about the idea that if, if Christ has accomplished everything, maybe that's why he says, fear not see, because, but, but yeah, well, it wouldn't that be convoluted to say fear not, but you know what, you're going to go through the book of revelation He's like, well, how can you tell me not to be afraid, but then tell me that, you know, these locusts are going to come out of the smoke and kill me, you know, and, and torture me. Right. And I'm not saying that that was, that that's a wonderful story, but, but it had to bring that, that Roman empire had to be brought to a close. And quite frankly, so did that temple system. It had, because Jesus says the time is coming and the hour is now. And that's another one where he goes present to the future with the woman at the well. He says, we're no longer will people be worshiping at Jerusalem at a temple. You're going to worship God in spirit and truth because God is spirit. And that's what he came to tell everyone. This, this part, this dispensation is going to be shut down. And that's what I'm here to do. And so what that does is, so now he can say, don't be afraid because I've created that new earth and that new heaven. I've created that spiritual kingdom that you are going to be, that I have a spot for you right here. I got, it's, it's ready for you. So fear not. So yet, we have the world, you know, whether with intention or not, we can make errors. We all do. I, I can't help but think, though, but what you're doing is you're, you're sliding people right back into fear again. And then you're saying fear not, but fear. <laughs> and, and of course, and then, of course, fear that these things are going to happen. And, you know, go through the book of Revelation. You point to me where it says that there's there's a new world order in there. Mm -hmm. they, couldn't even, they couldn't even convince um, 30 to 40 million, all, all Canadians to go get jabbed in the neck, right? They couldn't even do that. And I don't even mind saying it because I got to call out my country for sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's not so good. So one of the things I would suggest is we're very socialistic. We, I mean, our education, government handles it, right? Our rehab centers, government handles it. Our, I mean, almost everybody is being like all these main, right? our policing handled by our government. We're very socialistic. And even as socialistic as we are as Canadians, you couldn't convince all 40 million because I think it's around 38 or 40 million. You couldn't convince all 40 million. I don't know what the percentages are, but I would, I would venture to say that they're lucky if they hit, you know, 65, 70%. So if you can't convince 
even just one nation like Canada, you're not going to get the whole world. No way. It's not going to happen. And people like you and people like the people in your audience, I think, and folks like my brother Dom here and, and hopefully myself, that's why God's put us here to make sure that sort of thing doesn't happen again. Right. And um, I think I, sh I should have probably shared, but I'll just tell you, Matthew 24, Jesus said, so if I'm accurate, I believe that I am in the sense of timeline. That doesn't mean I don't have things to learn. I do. But but in the sense of timeline, I think I'm accurate. He says, he warns them. He says, this great tribulation is coming. And he's talking about the Roman Jewish war in the first century. He says, that's going to be the worst thing that ever happens to you guys. Right. And, and, and then he says, and ever like continuing future, nothing will ever be as bad as this, that, that I'm talking to you about. And, um, and so we, we showed that in the last, um, revelation chapter nine, I, I shared how Josephus was saying he had never seen, and this is a Jewish man writing and who had read the old Testament and he had not seen such a wicked generation. And he was talking about how evil these, these guys had become and the kind of atrocities that they were committing. Um, they were just completely out of control and lawless and, and just didn't care and spared no one. They would even harm people who were mourning for the people they harmed. I mean, that's, it was an incredible account. Uh, and it's not just him. It's Tacitus puts that in there. And I think there's um, Eusebius that has, um, has written these things. So he was describing, so what, what's, what's good about that is, is that again, we don't have to fear. That's what, why we're called not to fear. That got taken care of, you know, that painful process got taken care of. And I know that oftentimes people will talk about some other things that have happened, but I'm going to suggest to you um, that even still, if, if you take a good look at those accounts, I'm going to suggest to you, they are far worse than the, um, even some of the atrocities that we've seen, whether more recent or not. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I don't like to get into It's not a pleasant conversation when you're talking about wars and things like that. But my grandfather was in the first world war. Um, but he did indeed, you know, he survived. And, um, but he talked about clearly there was issues. Um, but those in those situations, which by the way, I would suggest if, if, you know, maybe, maybe if people didn't go along with the idea that the end of the world always has to happen maybe it wouldn't be so easy to cause people to go to fight those wars you know what i mean and this so isn't. right this is it and and this was actually a major motivation for me to sorry just cut you right off but this, no, this no. is the whole thing because as long as we see the end of the world is near it's happening soon it's at hand it's and and people have been like reading it that way for what 1000 or 2000 years we don't know and so they've always got this in their consciousness that the the end of the world is about to happen and so what do you what do you put out in front of you do you take you know, courageous action and build for generations to come? Do you, you know, share your gifts and cultivate what's in you, your God-given gifts to imagine this beautiful, because that's the thing, it totally contradicted what I can imagine. I see peace on earth, I see uh, the abundance, I see the paradise of, uh, of, of, of heaven and earth. Uh, you know, so like, but how can you think about that when you've got this impending doom on always, 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 forever, always on your doorstep, right? And and right. um, 
I was reading an author yesterday. Let's see if I can get his name super quick, just to give a reference. Maybe I'll just share the, I don't know his name, but I'll share the link here. Got a cat juggling situation. And um, he was talking about how, you know, basically it's turned all of the people that preach that way, it's turned them into liars. They have mm -hmm. no credibility because they would make prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that the world was ending. And it's never come true. It just gets swept under the rug. They just slink away or whatever. Like that that's you gotta recognize that. Right. And God specifies, by the way, when someone prophesies something, it doesn't come to pass the way he said. Then then clearly the answer was there that he wasn't speaking uh for God. And interestingly enough, too, again, you have a situation where you have the the futurist point of view i have to just and i try to be gentle but i'm still gonna have to say it it seems like you get to be wrong and yet you continue to say you're right though right like so you say oh i guess i was wrong but i'm still right though <laughs> it's like well wait a minute though you know the are you are you right or are you wrong which one is it you can't be both all at the same time and so um i, th I would suggest too what that does when you're your kind of what you're talking about right this there's gonna be a new world order and, and someone's gonna take over and take over the world pinky in the brain um type of stuff uh, it, you almost participate in making that prophecy occur to some degree because you're not because you've w wallowed into the fear and then and maybe even given up because well i guess it's got to happen especially if someone is reading the scriptures well you can't you can't stop the plan of god right so it's going to happen it has to happen so you know whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. what are you doing where where did where are you finding new world order they just told you that there's going to be a new world order and maybe they you know no offense i just have to say it the, a lot of the guys who said it best as i know they passed away so reagan said it yeah huh where is he <laughs> bush senior said it uh-huh where is he I don't care if they said it. Did it come true? No. False prophet then. They're, they're, now, that doesn't mean they're not going to keep, you know, how about Schwabi? You know, okay, so what? What is, he, he couldn't convince us. So, so again, it's, it's, it doesn't, but it does put people either into fear or into kind of giving up and they're not tapping into the spirit of Christ, which is clearly displayed again. I'm going to say this, his courage to go to the cross. He he went to that cross courageously. The way the way it's said into the, the the scriptures, his face like a flint. And then when Pilate says, "Don't you know that I'm, I'm I can condemn you to death?" and he says, "You only have the power my Father's given you." And he marvelled. Why is he marveling? Well, because typically you're in front of a guy like that that can hang you up on a cross violently. You'd probably be begging for your life. I mean, you know. There's there's been times in my life where I'm begging an officer not to give me a ticket for the stop sign, you know, <laughs> that I just rolled right. And this and this man is standing in front of him, going, "You only have the power that my father's given you." Like, the, and that's why it says that he marvels because it's shocking, because he knows the his purpose. He knows what he's there to do, and he's and he trusts. Right. He trusts the father. He knows what he has to accomplish. And so that's the kind of courage we tap into when you tap into Christ. And that's the other reason why I think the teachings of Christ is um, so important compared to even other teachings. That's not to say some other teachings aren't good, but there's a completion with Christ's teaching because he also speaks to those who do have power. And he says, hey, you've been given a certain power. Right. To much is given, much is required. And so it's not it's not where he's just has you see his compassion. He wants to heal. 
He wants to assist, right? You see that he wants to feed thousands of people, right? And then you see this willingness to sacrifice, but then you also see him going to the other side where he speaks against the extortioners and says, Hey, what are you doing? Right now, that side of the teaching makes it far more complete. So it's this completion of not, you know, and again, I'm not trying to reduce, but but part of Christ's purpose was to give us this complete teaching, this well-balanced uh, perfection of all of all the contexts that you can possibly imagine that might happen in life. And he prepared us for that through the spirit. And of course, we have the words on the page um, that assist, but only again, if your heart is to 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 seek God in righteousness and in love. If you're if you're reading those scriptures to clobber people in the head with it, or if you're reading those scriptures to see if you can turn me into merchandise, then the whole thing changes. And I think that's part of God's design too. To, to, to the houses the same person read the same book and then turn around and oftentimes do do a lot of harm. So I I have to tell you that that you know just that fear part. I think, quite frankly, I think it's undeniable, and um, that that and saying those things, and then people start to read that into the scriptures, but it's it's plainly not there, and even the antichrist part, it's it's just not the word antichrist is not even in the book of Revelation. It's just not in there, literally not in there. Now it is in the Bible where John talks. I think it's First John two eighteen, but he says he says it's the last hour. That even now, so he's he's putting it in present tense. And I, by the way, I wanted to share this uh, with everybody too, because a lot of people don't know this. That you know the six 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 number, right? Well, Caesar Nero, in the Jewish gematria, is six hundred sixty six. So when he when when John wrote that, I believe he was writing that because he he's a Jewish man that knows the Jewish letters, knows the Jewish numbers. And the first Christians, the first century Christians were indeed Jewish. And they were they were the primary leaders. Even Paul, who went to preach it to the Gentiles, he was still Jewish. So he was still teaching and preaching and he would have understood, right? So there was going to be a law. Like, I mean, we have to accept that, that the Jewish Christians were, although, again, not everybody that was Christian was a, a Jewish person, but the root was through through Israel. And so Paul, John, Peter, James, Jude, they all had that Jewish gematria. So when he com communicated that number, Nero Caesar is 666. A lot of people have no idea. So when he's talking about, actually, I probably should share that. If you, um, if you, I don't know, are you guys comfortable if I just read or would you want me to share the screen? Because that Revelation 17 is pretty hard hitting. And I think it time, time stamps, it's not that I, don't, didn't provide enough, but uh, if you take a look at Revelation um, 17. Yeah, go ahead and share if Dom is still able. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. Yeah, give me Revelation 17, brother, because I want people to kind of see that this is the problem for the, um, yeah, Revelation 17. Thank you. So this, I, this is where it's, a, it's an amazing timeliner, I think, that the book itself timelines itself. Can you guys see this? Mm -hmm. And I'd love you to go back and talk about the um, the six six six. If you don't have the mark of the beast, I think a lot of people consider that six 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 to be the mark of the beast. But I think you would say there it's something separate, right? Yeah. See, because yeah, we can yeah we can review that. That's the number of a man. He says, right? It's the number of a man, and the mark I'm going to suggest is a spiritual mark. Okay. Um. So, 
um, that we can potentially even get, I would, I would suggest we could potentially get today if you continue to can, you know, um, harm people in, in great ways. Um, I would suggest, uh, that you might actually <laughs> spiritually be handing yourself over to darkness. Right. Um, but let's, let's take a look here in revelation 17, 10. And he says, they are also seven Kings. All right. So he says in verse nine, he says, this calls for, um, let me go a little bit back here. Oh, my apologies. Um, all right. So he's, he's, he's talking about, uh, he says, this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven Kings, five of whom have fallen. I can list you off who these people are. If I go to Roman history, whereas if you're in a futurist position, you're going to have a difficult time figuring out who that is. And now you're just guessing over and over and over again. Right? So this is where people come up with their theories, but the problem is they're just theories. Whereas if I go to history, here's the five Kings that would have fallen in the time of Nero. Okay. Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, Caligula, sometimes uh, known as Gaius and Claudius Caesar. Those are the five that had fallen. And that's why he says, right? He says, there are five whom have fallen. That's past tense. So if you're in future tense, okay, what kings is he? What, what, what five have already fallen? That's already. So even if you believe, doesn't matter when you believe this was written, right? It was clearly written in the past. There's no doubt about that. What are the five kings that he's talking about that have already fallen? They've already fallen. The futurist doesn't have an answer for you. Because he can't, he's got 2000 potential years of chronology to roll through. How is he going to pick five? He doesn't get, which ones were they? Were they the Pope? So I don't know. Like, was it Trump? I don't know. Like, right. Like you can't make heads or tails out of that. But when you go to history, you go, wait a minute, there was five Caesars before Nero. And that's why he says one is right here. I believe that to be Nero 666. And he says, the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. And that was Galba. He reigned for about four months. See? So, I mean, we're right back to um, that when you look at history, you actually know the answer, right? At least I have a decent answer. Where if I go future, guess what? You're guessing everybody year after year. I think it's Obama. And by the way, I'm not even sure how America slips into the book of revelation to tell you the truth. Cause it talks about the river Euphrates, which was a natural border to Israel. <laughs> right. Hold on. We're going to hit one more spot, spot here. We'll go to 13 real quick and I'll see if I can't. Um, is it, or is it, is it 13 or 12 that has the, uh, the, the Mark part, right? Let's see that. Might be 13. They probably know better than I do. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it should be. Oh, there it is. Okay, here we go. All right. So it talks as this. Um, uh, there was a thing called um, a, li a libellus that if you didn't uh, like burn incense or you know, do some kind of thing where and you're basically saying hail Caesar, you wouldn't get a libellus. And if you wouldn't get the libellus, they wouldn't let you into the marketplace to purchase things. So that was a physical manifestation of what they could be talking about here. But as it goes, it says, um, it says um, in 16, it says also it causes all both small, great 
rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. I would send people into the Old Testament. What that always means is um, the mark of, on the right hand. He even talks about his laws when he gave them to Israel. He says, I want you to hold them in your right hand. I want you to um, wear them on your forehead. He's talking about right hand is an idiom for and he, by the way, the book of Josephus, he's a Jewish man writing historical accounts, always uses the term right hand all the time, even for things where you'd use both your hands, because it's an idiom for who you're operating with, who you're or how you're operating and who you're operating with, who's holding your hand, who's guiding you, who are you following, right? And the forehead is, is who do you meditate on? Who do you think upon? Who do you pray to? Right? Whose laws are you listening to? And as he continues, he says, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. I'm going to suggest to you that has a lot to do with the libellus and the compliance with Nero and what he's doing at the time. And he says, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, which by the way, I think it's in the book of Eusebius. Um, the, the nickname for Nero was the beast. They actually called him that as a nickname because he was quite, quite mad, um, according to historical accounts. And it says, for it is the number of a man. See, the the the, the number of the beast, because again, oftentimes idioms for human beings. Have you ever said, man, that person was like a rave, like he was so mad. He was like a raging bull. Do you see? It's an idiom that we get from our history. We use animals oftentimes, whether we want to admit this or not, oftentimes like, oh man, that person is gentle as a dove, right? Why do we say that? We're using creation. We're using animals, if you will, right? Oh man, that, that guy's a quick, he swims like a fish. <laughs> right? We do this all the time. So he's saying, calculate the number of the beast. Um, Paul would often say, I'm being challenged by beasts in Ephesus. He's not talking about animals. He's talking about people who are behaving like beasts, right? Um, kind of in the uncontrollable animal potential vibe. But you can also use animals as a polite idiom, right? You know, like I said, gentle as a dove. So you, we use creation to make these. So he's saying, understand. And by the way, he says, calculate it. Why? Because he's telling you to go to the gematria. That's why he's saying to calculate it. See, it's not just a number that people flash in your face. And I know, you know, they'll have the whole, you know, with the Google sign and stuff like that. But that's, that's not, you're not calculating anything though. <laughs> it's just them waving some numbers around. Again, propagating fear, if you don't mind me saying. He says, calculate it. You have to actually count it, calculate it, do some math. That's what he's saying with that word. Don't ignore that word. It's not just people rolling around, flag, uh, you know, flashing three numbers together because I'm looking at it right here. I'm not scared of those three numbers. Are you? I hope not, right? No, he's saying go calculate it so that they could know who he was talking about. So calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number. See, his number, his number, not the new world order number. His number, it's a specific person. And if you put this in Roman Empire context, there was a single guy that was running the show and his name was Nero, right, at that time. So now that you know that Caesar Nero adds up to 666 and it's a number you have to calculate, not that they just flash it on a Google sign somewhere. Um, and his number is, 
666. It's he, it's a person. It's not a, you know, whatever, a new world order corporation or whatever it is that they would like us to believe it means. No, it's none of that. It's about Nero himself is my opinion. And I think I can, you know, prove it by basically go and by the way you can find this really easy it's online but what they'll often say is but that doesn't mean it can't happen again it's like well but is it fulfilled or not right so they go right back into but it can happen again and it can happen again and again and again and again and, and they put you right back into the fear and that's not to say that bad things can't happen it's to say that we're supposed to glean from the historical things that have happened, including this, and we are called to prevent these things. And we will, because we will operate in the spirit of God and we will um, heed Christ's words and operate in love, but the firmness of the truth. And we will expose the tyranny, we'll speak against it, and they'll have to um, subside. And that's what we're called to do. And we're going to continue to do that. I hope and pray that that's what we're going to continue to do. But I believe it because, like I said, Jesus said there's never going to be a worse time than this time. And that time already happened. And so the idea that it happens again is where, once again, they like to pull the um, kind of like flip the pancake move. All right. So hopefully that was, was that helpful? I'm hoping so. Yeah, it really was exactly. And there are many repeating patterns. I've got uh, one of my colleagues, Jacqueline Milne, is uh, an expert at pointing out the repeating patterns. They are there, but um, you know the the whole thing of revelations is anomalous. It, it's it's not based on the same patterns at all. Uh, maybe I, actually, I should probably stop talking then there, just because I lack the knowledge. But. Um, yeah anyway i'll just i'll let her speak for herself when she's ready <laughs> on yeah, that go ahead I think that it's it's very specific and we're supposed to glean from that for first of all it's supposed to put us into faith if you know that everything that jesus said right happened then you go oh well then he he is he was and is and always will be exactly who he said he was and is and always will be so that immediately means you've got someone intervening and interceding for you constantly through faith he looks favorably upon you as you look to him for guidance who reconciles you to the father that's the reconciliation part where he's the mediator and by the way we operate like this all the time so for example you make an appointment i don't know with your dentist do you just walk into his office and sit your butt on the chair no you make a phone call don't you and then there's someone who answers the phone <laughs> and makes an appointment for you. So this mediation, we still do this as nations operate, right? The, you have, an, um, if you will, an ambassador or someone who is your messenger, right? Oh, I'm going to send so-and-so on behalf of the president. And I understand that there's, you know, there's the potentially uh, high potential for the puppeteers and the puppets, but it still doesn't change the fact that that whoever is behind that, right, sends someone right to present to you right that's that's what's going on there so who has the real real like super superpower whoever that might be puts in our case trudeau and the fords and whoever else in front of our face they're the messengers if you will but we're supposed to speak back to the messenger if we don't like the message <laughs> and that's that's what oftentimes i think that we fail to do especially in the last 10 or 20 years but maybe even a little more but that idea is still there so spiritually though who's going to mediate who's going to mediate for you who's going to me mediate for me who's going to 
and some people will say, well, I don't need one. Well, I'm going to suggest that, um, we do, because if we rely, I didn't come up with love, love thy neighbor as thyself. I didn't come up with that. I didn't. No way. I learned it. And then I also saw people confuse it by saying, love thy neighbor as the CDC says. <laughs> that's that's not love thy neighbor as thyself. So it was very easily twisted, wasn't it? So that's what happens when people claim they know that, but in the spirit they didn't. They couldn't even recognize it. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself. I would never tell you. In order for you to come over for dinner to my house, Beth, you're going to have to muzzle your face twice and show me a, you know, I don't know, a Q-tip test. I would never say that to you. So I would assume you would not say that to me. I'm treating you the way I would have you treat me. Same deal. But see how they twisted it? So love thy neighbor as thyself, which by the way, that's one B. I'll still say one, but that's one B. One A is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if you don't love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you won't be able to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are connected. You can't separate those two things. Mm -hmm. And again, I didn't come up with that. I didn't come up with that. Mm -hmm. So my mediator came up with that. And he's the one who told me. And he had the power, by the way. This man who, best as we know, owned Zippo, owned nothing. And yet, here we are, whether it's a thousand years later or 400 years later, that's a long time to be listening to a man who didn't even, I don't know, own a corporation or a car, <laughs> right? And here we are, we're still repeating his teachings. His mm -hmm. te no, I'm not repeating my teaching. I'm repeating his teaching. And they're still here to this day. And so I think that that, that, I have to, that's the humility part. I think that we're called. Why do you think you need a mediator, Shay? Because I didn't come up with that. Mm -hmm. and I can assure you, if you met me when I was 17 or 18, it was love me, love me, love me, 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 me. <laughs> it's like, I, I would sing, my brother Tom's laughing. I would sing, you know, those, you know, the vocals, do, re, mi, fas. I would just stop at me. <laughs> do, re, mi, and just stop there for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because. I was doing what I wanted to do, whatever was good for me, really didn't concern myself too much as, as to sacrifice. And by the way, even when I did, even when I did give a little something of myself, it was always somewhere in the back of my mind. Well, maybe if I do this for you, you'll do this for me. Well, that's not selfless. Nope. See, that was me operating just completely on my own teachings. Just, you know, there's Shay, just do whatever he feels is right the moment what's ever i'm looking out for number one even when i'm i'm looking out for number one even when i'm not telling you i'm looking out for number one that's not the, but so so i'm repeating the messages that christ brought in that's mm -hmm. it so for me the reason why i need my mediator is because i know without his instruction without his spirit without his sacrifice i could never ever even understand the love and the mercy and the grace and the power of god so I do believe that I have that mediator standing right there interceding for me. Even now, if I'm making a mistake, he's, he's yeah, don't worry. I, I, I got you covered. I know you made a few mistakes there, but I'm going to, I'm going to cover you on that. So I think we need that. I think we need someone to, to, to mediate for us. And I think that's, that's, that's Christ. And I think that's what the whole picture of, of that was. And, and particularly for the old Testament, I, I put Jesus in, in almost all of those old Testament uh, occasions. Right on, right on. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, uh, we could be either closing to a finish now, or I could take one minute to uh, let my boss out. So what, would you, what would you prefer to to go on a little bit more, or do you want to close it here? Maybe we could pick it up another time. Either way, I'll just. 
Yeah, whatever's better for you, Beth. I, I'm I'm here with you. So you're the boss here because this is your show. And I just appreciate you having me. And of course, your audience too, whatever you guys want. Yeah. So for um I, I did have just one thing I wanted to say, and I appreciate what you're saying too. And and uh, you know, it's it's let's look at what is this is. It's not that we need a mediator, it's that we have one. And that's that's that that's how it works. These are the mechanics. This is the setup, right? And and so why, why are we being set up for something else where we don't use that moderator where people just come forward and like, I'm God and I'm supreme and I'm the sovereign and I'm, you know, and, and then, then look at the, look at the fruits, how that goes. The, the moment that I had the full realization, I was a child of God, not the creator in, you know, on, on par with that then the whole thing got nicer and more real, more like, you know, so, uh, but not necessarily to go too deep into that. This is one more thing I feel strongly to, to uh, bring up and then see if you have anything you want to add to it. And it's uh, the mockery of Christians. How often you hear this, Jesus isn't going to save you like this. And I, I you know, speaking of timestamps, I just saw how it's like, no, no, that's already done. That's already in the past. We're not waiting. And, and this is this is what Revel the revelations as prophecy sets us up for this kind of um, thing that that is actually worth calling out. Like you're just sitting on your butt eating Cheetos or whatever, deciding that everybody's going to be killed and I'm going to be raptured and everything's taken care of. I can just eat the Cheetos and, and uh, not have to worry about what that's doing to my temple, for example. <clears throat> And so this, you know, it's so interesting how it, how much effort, time, energy has been put into taking the scriptures down and out. And, and you, what a revolution it was when the Gutenberg Press put out Bible so everyone could actually read for themselves, right, rather than have some guy from the pulpit telling you little snippets and little bits that they wanted you to know so you didn't really understand the power that you held in your own heart. And uh, so anyway, I just felt like I needed to say all of that. Do you want to add anything? No, well, and the other thing is, too, is I, I have to say the best as I can tell, I'm not really getting the sense now. Of course, we, we're not 100 percent sure, but I, I don't remember anything in the earlier years of them talking about. Um, I think a lot of this, you know, the kind of like the rapture and the futurism. I'm not really sure when that started, but if I would suggest most folks would suggest that that really started more somewhere in the 1800s. Now I could be wrong. It might've started sooner than that, but I don't know um, of, of too much material, especially in the closer to like 200, 300 AD of them speaking of some of these things that we speak to now. So I, I definitely think that knowing that Christ um, accomplished, right? He has saved us. He has now, are you, I, I'll put this in there, might be there some who, who reject it, who reject that salvation. Well, that, that's, that's a different story. Um, and, and oftentimes people will talk about that. I, I always say, well, look, if, if you offer, hey, I, I have, like, would you like to come over? I have some free, free, I got some free dinner. I got a free room for you to stay in. I got a, a warm shower if you need a shower. I, you know, I got a warm bed with some blankets if you want to stay a couple of days. And I go, nah, I don't want it. Well, okay. Well, well, there you go. I mean, again, I'm not seeing this um, 
again, informed consent is still even seems to be in the spirit. It's like, look, I'm offering you. My hand is outstretched out to you. I've already done the work. I already bought the house for you. Okay. That doesn't mean I don't want you to take care of the house a little bit, but, but I've already bought the house. You don't have to pay the mortgage again. <laughs> right. So this, I, this position that he's already, and by the way, in futurism, they kind of do, I have to, again, you know, move my brothers and sisters to think about it. They'll say, yes, it was finished at the cross. Okay. Then why do you keep saying he's got to finish something then? Right. You have to ask yourself that question. I don't have to ask that question anymore because I answered it. How? Yeah, no, it makes sense that way. That's why everybody's left in this this kind of uh, cognitive dissonance bubble because you cannot reconcile. It has no logic until right. you see this timestamp. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, very well. thank, and thank you for letting me share it with your audience and, and the people that are listening. I just appreciate it. And I appreciate this opportunity to share it because you know, there is an element of, um, and again, I say this with gentleness, not with accusation, just, you know, ask yourself, is there a little bit, a little bit, almost like that sounds a little bit like double talk. It's like, yeah, he finished it, but not really. And if there is double talk that we know that that's not good because it's kind of, you're, you're talking out of both sides. Right. So, um, if we accept the, that we at least should at least take a look at that and say, well, wait a minute, you know, does that really reconcile? I would even challenge your wonderful audience to say, okay, cause I've heard Christians say, can't wait till I get that new body. You know, the one that Adam and Eve had before they fell. And they said, well, wait a minute. They, but you, you're saying they fell, but they had that body. They, they sinned in that body. Why would you want that same body that they sinned in? And then they kind of go, uh, um, Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, we need to think about this. That body that Adam and Eve had, they, they sinned in that body. And then you want that body back. Well, I, I don't know how else to say this. It's the same one you got and the same one I got. <laughs> so I think that we really need to even talk about what a spiritual kingdom really means when Jesus says the kingdom of God does not come with observation or my, my kingdom is not of this world. He started a new spiritual kingdom. And I think that um, when we recognize that he already completed what he said he was going to complete, we don't have to doubt, and then we don't have to fear, and we can actually tune into the voice and spirit of God through Christ and do the things that he wants us to do, whatever that might be. It's different for everyone. And uh, hopefully we can maybe even please him from time to time. <laughs> and help Amen. each other out in the process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Amen. This has been a beautiful talk, Shade. I'm really glad you could join me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, I greatly appreciate it. And um, I will at the end, I'll just do a little plug at the end of the Revelation series. I am probably going to have a uh, kind of a Q&A. I'll have people send in their questions in advance and then I'll try to sort through them. I can't promise that I'll be able to answer all of them because I'm just a dude, too. Um, but I will assemble all those questions at the end of the series and then probably do kind of like a Q&A um, session where i'll say okay i got this question that was a great question and then here's my response and here's some scriptures that might support it and uh, if you guys do want to check it out um the the revelation series i would recommend maybe even starting back at where it says did jesus return already and um so because i did had jesus return already part one then two then i did the daniel prophecy which is about the four kingdoms that i believe has already passed which is babylon medo-persian grecia under Alexander the Great, and then the Roman Empire. And that was it. That's all Daniel talked about. And then he said, Christian age from there on in. And then I started, I think, Revelation 1, 2, and 3, and we're, we're moving forward. So um, hopefully, if your audience is feeling moved, if they're interested in this kind of point of view, it might um, might be something they might want to consider. And I appreciate you letting me show this to everyone. 
And thank you, Ian. <laughs> yeah, Ian's awesome. That's great. Lots of good comments and, and uh, participation in the chat. Thank you, everyone, for coming. It's been wonderful. And um, yeah, I think that is pretty much it for today. The, uh, if you're not aware of the House of Free Will, this, this was actually, if there was a last point, it's that, you know, the God can show up and go like, look, I have I have the room and the fridge is full. And, the, you know, like you said, I no mortgage, nothing. It, it's all, we did this for you. Look, bring. But because God installed free will in us, it must be chosen. It could never be chosen for us. That would be breaking the law. I I, I have to be with you on this one. I have to because... Because then again, you're you're more talking about now, like if he forces it down your your throat, if you will, then now we're talking now that that seems to me more um, abusive. And and I know it's hard for us to grasp this idea, but um, it is possible that that someone, some people, maybe they genuinely. You know, I look around, Beth, I can only speak for myself on this one. I look around and I say. I say, I have to meet the creator. I'll probably be scared out of my wits, but I still have to meet him. I just, I just have to, because I just amazed at everything that's around us. Uh, and that includes some of the stuff, like I said, like the rabbit poo. <laughs> it does. It includes like, I'm amazed by all of it. I'm, I'm amazed by the, the, the foul smells, uh, foul smells, but I'm amazed at the, the amazing smells, the delicious, beautiful smells. Um, I'm amazed at it all. Um, other than that, your choice, right? right. Because it's, it's, someone's going to walk along and just see a pile of crap, and right. then and then you're going to come along and go, hmm, actually, there's something that happens here. There's a transmutation. That's God's transmutation. You don't do that part, but you have to make that choice to put it on the garden, or it's not going to work, right? That there's always that you could call it intermediary of of choice. Absolutely. And I, I'm just absolutely so for, but some people, for example, will just say, nah, I don't, right. So, so again, we have a situation where maybe some folks actually don't want to meet the creator. Well, right? And, and they don't want to meet adversity. This is the thing we've been made to be become allergic to. We've been like traumatized. We've been beaten. We've been, you know, through history, through time. And, and so there's this mechanism, this is the inner programming that every time you come up against the challenge, never mind the ultimate challenge of death, then you turn the other direction and you go away, you go into denial, you pull the covers over your head, you watch Netflix, anything that will help you distract away from the pain, the challenge, the adversity that actually is freedom on the other side. But if you don't choose to go through it, to prove it to yourself that death has no power over you, for example, you only watch the example of Christ then, and you don't pick up your cross and carry it, then you can't know that. You, you can't have that freedom. You can't have that mansion without the mortgage. <laughs> you you got to definitely, I mean, it's basically a birthing process that I'm, that, that you're almost, and you know, I'm amazed after the first birthing process, my wife went, went through, that's nine months of great discomfort. And then we're going to do it again. Really? You you want to do that again? Yeah. It's like it, take, it takes all that pain and all of a sudden it, it just dissipates. And that's another amazing analogy that the Old Testament and the New Testament um, uses is the birth 
of a child, for example. And so, yes, there's there are pains um, in this world. And I think in, in God's sovereignty, they do something in the spirit that builds things that without it could not be built. Character, virtue, consistency, self-control, wisdom, um, an appeal to others, a consideration of others' positions. I think without pains, how can you how can you gain all of that? I, I would suggest that we wouldn't be able to. And I think under God's sovereignty, I think that that He included that for our good, for our good. And I hope uh, I hope that uh, that inspires people to take the challenges that that God has set before them, but not that necessarily people have put before them. <laughs> That's a different situation. But if God has put a challenge in front of you, embrace it. Fear not. Embrace it, fear not. Maybe we'll end on those notes. I'm getting a lot of love in the chat here. People have really enjoyed. I, okay. uh, yeah, I feel like I know my audience well and that they were going to appreciate this so much. Yeah. So that's great. And I appreciate them to, to come out and take a listen to it and, cons and consider the, the, the position. Exactly. Yeah. And share this around with people who might just literally be looking for information, not to be right. Uh, maybe one last thing I managed to catch someone's, uh, luckily I won't remember their name, and he had some adversarial people on, you know, some were Trinitarians and he's not. And I, I it was it was like watching a train wreck. And I almost felt like I had sinned after watching it. Like it was that it was that weird, you know, because there was not in, in the 26 minutes of the whole thing, there was not one time where the spirit of of Christ or God came forward. It was all and like cutting each other and, and, you know, just like a circus, absolute circus and, the, and throwing around the name of God in the Bible and all of that kind of thing. And it's, it, it turns into blaspheme after a while. So that's, I appreciate you. I think this was uh, how we reconnected this time. Just you bring the, you bring the letter of the law, but you never bring it without spirit. And this is what I appreciate so much about you, Shane. Thank you, Beth. I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right, everyone, I think we will leave it at that. If you want to connect with me, my uh, my website, freewillministry.live, if you're interested in being part of a faith-based um, ministry where we are in the private. Shade has done a couple of talks. Is it a couple of talks there? Maybe just one so far? I think one. I think okay. we did one. Okay, yeah, on this topic as well, which is really good. So we went into some more detail about that. And uh, with any luck, we'll be able to have you back again. So. Love to have you guys if you if it's by application and you're most welcome to there's a link i think in the notes below you can hit and we enjoyed your music thank you very much i think we'll call it a day my my like i said my boss is calling me i'm on duty you're on duty thank Indeed. you sister. thank you okay you're very welcome god bless all right you too hey thank you Great bye bye